This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Darren Hood, thanks for taking the time to join us on today. And as always, a special welcome to those of you joining the podcast for the first time. We just finished a series where we were talking about the, I call it a few different things, but it all revolved around the same thing. And that it was that we were talking about the the UX job landscape. Uh, and so there are several episodes where we were covering that topic. We're going to revisit that from time to time uh, because I have other guests that I wasn't able to get on the show that have something to contribute and we want them to have their voices heard. We want people to be able to hear what they have to say. Uh, I'm I'm really thankful for folks who have quality content to share with the U.S. community today and and thankful when folks have time to to be able to come on and share with you. So we'll, we'll revisit those another time, those sessions. Uh, but today I'm going to talk to you about another topic as we have a little segue from another long series. We always like to just talk about something short and brief when we're coming out of a series. Today I'm going to talk to you about something that's near and dear to my heart. I saw a post recently. It stirred me up and said, you know what? We need to talk about this. Uh, it, it was actually on my list of topics to cover and I forgot about it. And this is going to be another one of those episodes where People are not going to be happy about what I'm going to share today, but folks, this is critical and we need to hear it. We need to digest it and we need to execute on it. And I've got a long history of talking about things that people don't want to hear, but these are things we need to hear, things we need to embrace, things we need to digest, and it benefits the discipline at large. It's funny, a lot of times we can't be on the same page because of our focal point, just a little digression here today. Some people are, they're interested in UX on a personal level. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that in in general. As we mature in the discipline, as our personal UX maturity grows, our vision grows as well. And the breadth of what we're looking at grows as well. It gets wider. Um, there are people who look at it from the perspective of their own teams and their own companies. And you know what? That's understandable. It, it's, it's natural. It's going to be. What will happen, though, is that when a person's UX maturity level, individual UX maturity level grows, one of the things that happens is that you aren't just looking at yourself. You're not just looking at your team. You're not just looking at your company. You're looking at the the UX discipline as a whole, and you will eventually come into the knowledge of the fact that everything that all of us will do regarding the discipline, it affects all of us, Uh, which is why I'm so loud about things that I'm loud about. I understand that what someone does in a company I've never heard of 
with regard to UX will eventually trickle to the point where it impacts all of us in some way, form, or, or, or fashion. All you have to do is go before stakeholders, clients, C-suite people in your organization, misrepresent UX, and have that thing sort of like marinate in, in their heart. And next thing you know, they're taking some type of an action associated with that perception, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's good or bad, whether it's beneficial or it, it detracts, there are things that will happen that are going to either be to our benefit or to our detriment. And But you don't think about these things. You just don't. Uh, someone made a, a, a statement recently to something I had said on on LinkedIn, and they said that, you know, uh, it might be that uh, you're not empathizing with people enough. And the funny thing is that person, I, I, I understand what he's getting at. I understand what he's trying to say, but he did not understand the danger of the statement. And because there is no might. I understand. <laughs> I understand where people are coming from. I was there. I'll never forget that I used to be an entry-level UXer. I'll never forget the days in which it was difficult to find a job. I'll never forget the challenges at the different organizations. But that's part of the reason why I put myself out here from this perspective. And it, I, I want to help other people to grow and to flourish. So, but I understand every different level. I understand what's going on from several perspectives. And so there was no might to it. But people need to understand when they when they share thoughts, you might want to give some thought to where's your personal UX maturity because that's as far as your insight or your commentary is going to take you. That's as your your accuracy and your ability to benefit someone is going to be limited to what your personal UX maturity allows you to perceive. Now, anyway, all that said, let's get into the topic for today. And the topic is, and this is where somebody's going to immediately hear this and they're going to cringe. So I'm warning you ahead of time, but I'm also letting you know uh, that this is something that's critical and it is detrimentally impacting us today. So I want to call it out and put it on people's radars. And I want to talk about the fallacy of the give people a chance philosophy. Now, already some people say, yeah, all right, no, we, you, we should give people a chance. Hear me out because uh, you need to understand something. I'm going to try to, in one fell swoop, I'd like to impact your perception of this concept so you understand what's really happening. Because what's going on in a lot of cases is the give people a chance mentality is something that all people see in that mindset is that people are being given a chance. They don't understand the breadth, B-R-E-A-D-T-H. They're not understanding the breadth of how this mentality is impacting the world of UX today. So I mentioned a post, right? I saw a post on Twitter and somebody said, 99% of all jobs can be taught. Then they say give period, people period, a period, chance period. Now, this is when I challenge people, it's time to put on our, our critical thinking hats, as, as Debbie Levitt says a lot, because 
there's there's more to the statement that was made than what meets the eye and people hear it and they think yeah you're right 95 99% of all jobs can be taught and i'm going to be a little um anal in, in my in in breaking this thing down and remember anal is just the root word of analysis so don't get scared but we need to understand some things because that statement seems harmless but that's not the case at all. So are you ready to go down a, a little journey, a little critical thinking journey? Uh, so join me here. Now, number one, that statement said 99% of all jobs can be taught. So I want you to in, and internalize these things. Is that really true? <laughs> Is that really true? Is it really true that 99% of all jobs in the world can be taught? And, and, and when somebody says that, what are they basing that 99% evaluation on? Are they saying that because they did an analysis of all the jobs that are out there? Are, are they saying that because it was cute? Uh, are they saying it because that's their opinion? Um, I, I'm here to tell you that that's not really accurate. So again, let's take a look at some, some critical, some very critical um, uh, truths that are important for us to embrace today. Now, it's not that 99% of jobs can be taught. Technically speaking, 100% of jobs can be taught, all of them. There is not a job on the face of the earth that somebody was not taught to do. Everybody was taught to do something. So it's really 100%. Now, somebody will say, well, that's being nitpicky. And, and to an extent, um, very well may be right, but folks, there's a time to be nitpicky. And when you consider the fact that the way that con games are run is that people take something and, and, and they pull the wool over someone's eyes by taking a statement that appears to be true, but it actually has an ulterior motive that, that is actually corrupt. And that's where we're going to get to by the time we're done with this analysis today. So uh, this is one of those times that being nitpicky is critical because there, again, there's not a job on the face of the earth that somebody didn't have to be taught how to do. So you didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do jobs. You didn't know how to make your bed. You didn't know how to wash the dishes. And some of us <laughs> go back down memory lane for a few folks today some of us, we would wash dishes. We did such a bad job. And I know people who were, were uh, their mother would take all the dishes if, the, if there was something wrong with one of the dishes. I've heard stories before where the mother would put the dishes back in the sink. I know this is old school, but I'm just telling you that this happened. Uh, a lot of people today, are they're too shielded and they're too, they're, they're too um, uh, coddled to, have, to experience things like this, but I know where they've taken all the dishes, put them back in there. You didn't wash them. I'm not going to look at all the other dishes. I found one that was messed up. Do it again. And what it did was it instilled a sense of, of accountability in those kids, as cruel as it might sound to some, and those people. I, I've heard people, I've worked with people who've told me those stories, and their work ethic was off the charts, and it was off the charts because of experiences like that, a lot of people today don't have that, and along with that comes the coddled entitlement and things of that nature. But again, we—I want to move on. I don't want to get stuck there. A hundred percent of all jobs can be taught, and I think when you look at just those examples that I shared with you, 
you know that that is accurate. So there's something afoot when someone says 99% of all jobs can be taught. And, and the funny thing is, the person could have said 100% of all jobs can be taught, and it would have better supported part of where they were going. But that little bitty thing that's wrong with that statement is usually a sign that there's something coming behind it that's really going to be worse. And, and I'll show you what I mean by that. And, and it's not just a statement, it's the concept. So everybody learn how to do what they do, right? Now, here's the one thing I found in my observation. The people that appear to be the loudest saying, give me a chance or give us a chance, and sometimes it's people saying, give them a chance. Most of the people who do this, and we'll take the give them a chance, folks, and put them aside for a few moments. The give me a chance or give us a chance are usually younger people. From a UX perspective, they're usually seeking their first gig in UX. Now, they feel the way that they feel, not because they see injustice and they're crying out about it. They don't feel the way they feel because they think that people are, are being robbed of an opportunity that, that they are entitled to. They feel that way because they want a job and they, because of this need and because of that passion, it actually has them, whether people realize it or not, that mentality is coming from a state of bias. So people want the job. They think that they're being blocked. So that's where some people get the gatekeeper thing from because they think that they're being gatekept from getting a job. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that before we wrap up here today. But folks, that's not the case at all. It is a biased mindset. Uh, the person who posted it, very, very young. Hey, you want to get a UX? Great. You want to start uh, 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 establishing your UX career? Fantastic. All for you. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm pulling for you. Do what I can to support you. But, uh, but we can't coddle people. That That's... That's not a good thing. And, and so people need to understand that there's a bias at work, a really critical bias. And truth be told, give you a little bit of the end from the beginning here, the only people they want to give a chance to, or I, I should say it the right way, the only people they're interested in having in getting a chance is really starts with them and, and maybe other people like them. And then it just sort of dies off after that. <laughs> and actually, there, there's no genuine sentiment about this uh, give people a chance thing. It's self-serving. And we'll, we'll call that, this, I know there's another name for it, but for today, I'm going to call it the self-serving bias today. So, you know, you're the one that's going to benefit, so you're concerned about it being an issue. And then as soon as you get that job, let's see how long, you, you'll notice that they'll stop talking about it after that and that's because they're not really interested it's not really about somebody being given a chance it's about them being given a chance now i mean go on this little journey side journey if you will at the beginning of somebody's career or maybe if they're switching careers a person is passionate and eager to get their first job right and it's normal again that's fine and we support you we're pulling for you i share entry-level jobs as often as I see them, pretty much. It's very rare that I don't share an entry-level job that I see it. I, I mean, an over a 90% clip. It's very close to 100, actually. And 
The only reason it's not 100% is because I saw one this week and I just didn't have time to share it. That's the first time I remember seeing an entry-level job that I didn't share, that I knew about. That's how much I contribute to trying to help people get the jobs. But at any rate, so you labor to make yourself qualified. This is what leads up to the whole thing. You, you, you apply, you interview, you experience X number of rejections. Rejections are part of the journey. So we, we need to understand that. We all experience it, and you will always experience it. You finally lag a, uh, land a gig, you celebrate, and folks, again, the cycle just repeats. Now, if at any time somebody experiences rejection and connects their rejection to what they feel is an improper or unfair sense of advantage, this is how that self-serving bias kicks in to play. That's when people take to the soapbox. That's when people get frustrated and then they want to they want to do something about it. They they want they get loud and they they go to Twitter, they go to LinkedIn, they they spend all this time talking about how uh, oh, you know what? We're being gatekept. You know what? We we uh, uh they they need to give me a chance. They need to give us a chance. Why are they stopping us? You know, you know anybody can learn how to do the work. And they, they and and it, and it's really it's a facade. A lot of the people who are saying it don't even realize that it's a facade. But it's it's really a facade. One of the things we need to to understand, and I've said it a lot recently, so I say it again today. When it comes to being a, a new UXer. Entry-level jobs are in the gross minority. They are not plentiful in UX or any other discipline, for that matter. They're not plentiful, and if you're going to go that route, instead of feeling a sense of entitlement, like somebody owes you a job, be ready for to play the long game. Be ready to, you, some people, it'll be a, a shorter wait than others, but remember that the entry-level jobs are... Um, they are, they don't come up all that often. So you're, it's going to be a bit. And especially when you consider that, I mean, Google graduated over 300,000 people from their program and consider, think about it. That means are there 300,000 people in a sense? Yeah. There are 300,000 people competing for the same job you're competing for at least, at least in a position to qualify for that same job, even if they don't know what's available or they did not apply. That's the market. So you need to be aware uh, of the market with regard to things like this. It's really, it's really critical. So the competition for these jobs, it's at an all-time high. And, and we need to know and understand. You need to know and understand that. So if you're new to, new to UX, it can take a while. So be patient. That I, I, I can't say that enough. Now, So this just level sets you. Basically, and what I'm offering you right now is information that many who sold you on UX didn't bother to share with you. So I'm going to make sure that I do. But let's look at what really makes, or, or, or examine, if you will, what makes this mindset of thinking that everybody's got to have a chance problematic. Everybody deserves a chance. So number one, it should apply to everyone. I've sort of alluded to this a couple times already. Everybody deserves a chance. If you're entry-level, you deserve a chance. If you're mid-level, you deserve a chance. People don't think that it applies to senior folks, and that's, part, that's where we're going to end up partially today. But senior folks need a chance, and, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. It's actually a hypocritical mindset 
many times. When you see people saying, give us a chance or give them a chance, especially when people really get demonstratively bold about it, that there's usually a hypocritical uh, facet or mindset that's at work because they say, give us a chance or give them a chance or give everybody a chance. Matter of fact, you won't hear them say, give everybody. They're usually talking about a specific set of people. I'm here today to tell you, and I'll say it again before we're done. Everybody gets a chance. Not, so it, I mean, to the point that we shouldn't even say it anymore. Just keep applying. When you don't get the job, keep applying. You get the rejection email or letter, keep applying. That's just the way that it works. We, we just got to keep going. So it, it becomes a fleeting sentiment. And that's what makes it hypocritical. If, if a person doesn't mean it all the time, then why say it? If, if you don't think that everybody deserves a chance, then stop saying it. If it only applies to new UXers or entry-level UXers, I, I heard somebody recently, they were, they were saying, if I see another uh, entry-level position asking for five years of experience, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and, and I quickly jumped in and, and tried to sort of help everybody, again, level set, uh, because that doesn't mean, just because you see a job posting that says something like that, again, why do, I said this before, said it recently, why do we assume that the companies that are hiring know what they're doing? A lot of times they don't. They will tell you that they don't. And a lot of them copy their job descriptions from other places. And when they do that, then guess what? You, you end up with a, a really bad job description that's, that does things like saying that it's entry level and then in the next breath, talk about having three to five years. So they don't really want an entry level person or, they, I mean, you just don't know. So go with the fact that they said entry level and apply. The worst they can tell you is no. The, the problem is that people don't like hearing no. They, they, they feel like it's an insult. Uh, no, no is no. Uh, just ask. <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing wrong with asking if they say no you move on no big deal there, there's and i say this all the time it's not about the 50 jobs you don't get it's about the one job that you do so just keep on applying be patient have some perseverance have some steadfastness and keep it going keep your head up keep your chin up and and uh don't let don't let things get to you it's it, it can be very difficult and very challenging uh, and, and very upsetting, and it, it can even be downright discouraging. But the reality of it is not only that it can be a long game, the reality of it is also that the more doors you knock on, you're one step closer to the door that's going to open. So so just keep going. I uh, don't want to sound corny, but it's, it's really true. So now, truth be told, folks, <laughs> This same thing, and I was heading toward this, is a problem for uh, for people who are more seasoned practitioners. This problem does not exist solely in the world of entry-level UX professionals. This is happening to everybody in UX. As a matter of fact, when you reach the, it's like, <laughs> I've heard people talk about elderly, the, the life cycle, and they talk about you're young, you got diapers, you can't walk, you got diapers, and then you stumble, and you, you got all kind of physical challenges and stuff as a baby, then you learn to walk, and you learn to eat, and you learn to dress yourself, and then you go through life, and then you get to end of life, and depending upon what kind of health you're in, 
Uh, it's ironic, somebody said, I heard somebody say recently, it's very ironic that you end up in the same exact type of state. A lot of people do, uh, uh, where it's people have to take care of them. And and without getting into the, the graphical elements associated with that, I think people understand what I'm trying to say. It's funny that the same thing happens in UX from the perspective that you can struggle to find jobs early on. Opportunities are not as as plentiful, and that, but then when you become a a truly seasoned UX professional, not these people who say they are. A lot of people say they are today and they're not. But when you've got 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to start running into scenarios that will remind you of your earlier days and the discipline. But there's even in caveat a caveat along with that. Uh, did you know that many people being hired into UX roles today actually lack qualifications, which is another reason why, I mean, just like we said, a lot of companies, they don't know how to write their job descriptions. They don't, a lot of companies don't know how to hire either. So consequently, what happens is that's part of the reason that you see people out here with fudge titles or they say they're one thing, but they don't really behave like it and things of that nature. And uh, there's even a group of people, they like to make seniors look bad. So they like to make seniors, put seniors in position to compromise us just so they can go out and supposedly tell a story that the senior couldn't do X, Y, and Z when the truth of the matter was, it was that the whole thing was a ruse. But uh, at any rate, so a lot of people, again, get hired. They don't have the qualifications. And this is not limited to standard UX roles. This is happening all over the place even when it comes to UX leadership roles, people in lead roles, principal roles, supervisor roles, you don't hear the word supervisor much, but you know what I'm getting at, the manager roles, uh, the director roles, a lot of these people who are being hired into these roles today are not qualified. Now, if you, if you don't believe me, and you have the ability to do this, the willingness to do it, go to LinkedIn, because that's the only place you can see this stuff, and look at, people, the positions that they're in, you interact with people a lot, you see people making posts, you see people responding to posts, you see people liking things, just randomly, just go and, and search for people on LinkedIn and look up UX directors or or, or senior UXers, uh, things of that nature, and look at their work histories. And when you see people who are directors and they've been doing UX all of, as I jokingly say, often five minutes, in other words, a very brief period of time that's not in alignment. I mean, I mean, there was a day when I first got into UX, my earlier days, and I'm talking about when I was at it full-time in UX, doing it during the day all the time. It, things are a little different uh, from a standpoint of how you ascend in UX. And if you didn't have 10 years, you weren't getting a senior title in 2007, 2008, 2009. That wasn't happening. You had to have at least 10 years. And today people are getting a senior title. They've got one year, two year, three years, four years. Directors who have four and five years. Hey, an opportunity came up and somebody walked into it. That's basically what happens in a lot of those instances. But the reality of it is the personal UX maturity level of that individual is not what's being demonstrated. It's not in alignment with what and who they are. 
from a standpoint of from a from a a, a title perspective. So I, I've seen people who they, it says that they're directors and they got three years of experience and and they've only worked at one company and and that's that can happen too. I get it, but there's a misrepresentation that takes place to the discipline at large. So if you don't believe me that things are out of sync, just go and look up work histories. You'll see exactly what I just mentioned. You'll see people all over the place. I, I've seen people who have four years of experience and they're managers. I've seen people who have three, three four years of experience and they're directors. Uh, there are people out who go out there and they're COOs or, or, or CXOs, but they start their own companies. That's why they're CXOs. And so, so the personal UX maturity is not what it should be or what you think it might be actually in comparison to what they're claiming to be, what their titles are. So, so there's an issue <laughs> with things like this. And, and, but here's the odd thing. You rarely see somebody working in UX who's been in UX for a great deal of time and, 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 Again, whether it's lead, principal, supervisor, manager, director, anything like that, you rarely see us in these positions because you know why? Because nobody is giving us a chance. <laughs> Isn't that ironic today? It, it, the, the give us a chance uh, uh, chance is all happening with regard to junior UXers when it actually, the concept that people are speaking of is actually applicable across the discipline. So it's not just for early UXers. It, it's, it's something that's, that should be happening uh, in a broad manner. So here's the irony and the hypocrisy. It's true seniors that aren't being given a chance. The funny thing is we are qualified to do it. Uh, and guess who's actually stopping us most times? Guess who's really stopping the true seniors from getting a lot of these roles? It's the people who are either saying or used to say, give us a chance. And in some cases, it's these other people that are saying, give them a chance. And they feel that because there's a lot of senior UX practitioners, real senior practitioners who've been practicing UX for 10, 15 and 20 years. And they come across somebody who is has been practicing longer than them. And the inferiority complexes, uh, they abound and UX, and they don't want to give somebody such as myself, I know a lot of people like me, they don't get the chance to be in one of these roles because they don't want to look bad or they feel like they're, they don't even want to hire us a lot of times to work as seniors or principals under them because they don't want to be outshined. And so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Uh, and again, the irony of that is really something. So again, Folks need to be given a chance across the board. There are people who, given an opportunity, I, and, and personally, I know, again, it's me being nitpicky, but I, I prefer the word opportunity over chance. There are people that I do acknowledge and I do understand that if you give somebody an opportunity, if they have the makeup, they'll make the most of it. They'll, they, you won't regret it. And, and it's a beautiful thing when you see something like that happen, when you see someone being offered an opportunity. When I see people get opportunities, I'm excited for them. But I also understand that all things should be done decently and in order. And, and 
when you give somebody a chance, but you slam the door on someone else that's actually qualified for the same chance you were willing to give an unqualified person, folks, that's just downright dysfunctional. And, and it, it's not going to pan out for everybody in the long run. So in closing, please know and understand UX is falling apart at the hinges. It, it really is today. And one of the reasons why it is, is that people who have the know-how, people who know how to direct the ship are not getting opportunities. And what happens is it hurts the discipline at large. Again, I'm, I'm happy when somebody gets a chance. I'm glad when somebody gets an opportunity, but things need to be done properly because if the people who weren't qualified get opportunities above those who, who were qualified, it's not gonna, it's, it's, it's not, that's not gonna end well. It simply isn't gonna end well. So everybody deserves an opportunity. That's my take. Everybody deserves an opportunity, but when I say everybody, I mean everybody. And and there's a time when the entry-level person needs an opportunity. There's a time when the mid-level person needs an opportunity. There's a time when the more senior practitioner needs an opportunity. Everybody needs an opportunity. Now, if, we, if everybody can agree to that, then we can get somewhere because we can start to straighten things out and we can overcome the current the current dysfunctional cycle that UX is currently in as a discipline. Uh, but the violent and the possessive folks in UX today, they're keeping this from happening. And these violent and possessive folks are not the ones you think it is. It, there's a whole wave of un, uncooperative, unskilled, unqualified people or cowards, people who've been in UX for a long time, never stood up for the discipline at all. And they're usually the ones willing to give opportunities to the wrong people, frankly. Uh, and, and that's where that that hurts the discipline. So we, if we want to make UX right, we must embrace equitable behavior across the landscape of the discipline. And remember, as I always say, folks, UX is about more than just the work. And let's, let's not forget that today. So as we wrap up, remember, everybody deserves an opportunity. So let's stop saying, give them a chance and, and only think of it with regard to the entry-level folks, let's give everybody a chance. We'll be a lot better off for it. You'll have uh, uh, one of the great wrongs that's going to be righted when people start to embrace this is that, say you're at an organization, we'll close with this little example. You have an organization that you have a, a leader and they're of that give everybody a chance or give folks a chance mentality. And so they come across some juniors and they... They're going to go in and hire them, and they, they think they've got some of the makeup that they can bring these folks aboard, and they just keep doing it. And, and I've seen it before. Let's say a team of 20 UXers, and I remember a, a team of 20 UXers where there was only two of them had any prior experience at all. Now, there are people who ended up on that team that thrived, absolutely thrived. Their career took off and they did great. And then there's other people on the team that were just absolutely ghastly. And it was really sad and, and it didn't really help the practice in the organization. But when you bring seniors into a setting like that, it helps if they're willing, because there are a lot of people who just, they can't even get along with senior UXers at all. They, they see senior UXers as a, as a stumbling block. They see us as an offense. They see us as, a, as an intimidating force. 
instead of seeing the true senior as somebody they can learn from, somebody they can grow alongside of and connect to and just vault their careers further. And, and the people who did excel, that was their mindset. They all had the same mindset. They weren't threatened by seniors. They didn't see seniors as somebody that was going to expose them for, for being an imposter. They saw them as, as somebody that they were glad that they were on the same team. So when people wake up, you'll, bring, you'll be willing to bring seniors on your team. You need more than one, depending upon the size of your team. You, you bring them in, and they really help to level set the team. And, and that mentoring that people are going outside of companies to get because they don't have a mentor in-house, uh, nobody caught that. Uh, when, when you have the mentor in-house, uh, then it really helps to vault that team forward by light years. So I really encourage people, understand this today. Give everybody an opportunity. Let's stop catering to the juniors. Uh, remember, you used to be one. And, and just go ahead and, and cultivate everybody, but make sure you've got those seniors on your team because that's really going to help vault those juniors forward. If you don't have seniors on your team, everybody's growth is stunted. You cannot help but misrepresent UX to your organization and to your leadership. You cannot help but 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 blow opportunities, squander opportunities to demonstrate value because you don't have that senior that helps to ground everybody on the team. That's what we need to do today. So folks, for those of you, I told you, hear me out. And uh, so it's not about giving everybody a chance. It's about giving or giving certain people a chance. It's about giving everybody an opportunity and everybody at every level of UX needs an opportunity today. Nobody has the market cornered on opportunities. So let's give everybody an opportunity. How about that? That's my proposal for the U.S. community. Today. Folks, so that is all the time we have for today. And we will come back at you with a new topic on next week. But until then, this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.